everybody, this is David, and we are now officially halfway through our journey in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where we will be for all of 2019. This is the Westchester Church Podcast. In this particular teaching, Jesus speaks about when you give to the poor, and we discuss how intimacy with God is experienced in quiet, anonymous, mysterious kindness. For more information, check us out at westchestercfc.com. That's westchestercfc.com. And now let's get right to the message. Matthew 6 and beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men in order that you might be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And so when you give to the poor, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so up to this point so far in the Sermon on the Mount, we have seen Jesus start with the Beatitudes as he speaks about a Christian's character. Then he shifts and he speaks about a Christian's influence as he says that, that you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And yet now we still remain in this very large chunk, which is more than half of the Sermon on the Mount. He places his emphasis on rather a Christian's righteousness. And yet what we have here, starting in, in chapter 6, though, is a series that is within a series. He speaks about three of the foremost of these habits and, and of a spiritual habit and discipline. This morning, he speaks about giving to the poor. And I find it so interesting in Scripture that it was true in the Old Covenant that Jews were expected by their God to be very generous to those who were poor. Really, isn't it interesting how even in the New Covenant, all of, all of the, the many things that, that, that will pass away under Christ's New Covenant, Jesus still holds on to looking after those who are poor. And he still expects his followers even going into this brand new covenant and this brand new way of life, he expects them also to be those who give to the poor. And the reason why I say that is because notice in the text how on, on a couple of occasions, he does not say, if you give to the poor, but rather what Jesus says is, when you give to the poor. Jesus assumed that anyone who would ever pattern their lives after him would be most generous to those who are less fortunate and who are what we would consider poor. And so for each one of us individually as we read this, the very first thought that we are encountering is each one of us asking ourselves the question, am I generous to the poor? Am I a person who seeks out those who have hardly anything in this life and do I have a desire to, to visit this person in their tremendous need? And so it's an expectation. It is something that, that Christ had assumed that we would be doing in our lives. And yet it's also a tremendous responsibility of the people of God. 
How we saw last week how it says in the book of Proverbs that the one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Likewise, it also says in Proverbs earlier on in chapter 14, very strong statement from God, that whoever oppresses those who are poor isn't really oppressing those who are poor as much as they are actually taunting their creator. But rather, he who is gracious to those who are needy is the one who is honoring God. And I mean, all throughout Scripture, we are reminded with this reality that we just remember that once, spiritually speaking, we were destitute. Once, spiritually speaking, we were in a very spiritual sense, we were cold and we were naked and we were blind. But now in Christ Jesus, we have been brought in. We, we have been made very rich and opulent. We are spiritually clothed and we are spiritually warm now because of him. And the reason why I want to spend this entire year looking at nothing but the Sermon on the Mount week after week after week is that every time that we see a glimpse of this brand new way of life that, that Jesus is explaining here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it doesn't matter what we look at. Every single week, we are walking away with, with really the, the exact same takeaway. This reminder that it's not supposed to be me living anymore once I choose to follow Jesus. But rather from this point forth, what the rest of my life is to become is that I am to actually become Jesus in my heart, in my thoughts, in the things that I love, in the things that I hate. It's that we actually become walking extensions of Jesus Christ. And so we need to give to those who are poor, Jesus says. And yet notice what word Jesus opens up this entire section with. He, he opens up with the word beware. It's a word that we ordinarily only see on signs. If we are in a place that is not safe, we might see beware of explosives. It is a demolition site, perhaps. And, and once we see that word beware, we know that we should not walk beyond that line because it is dangerous. <laughs> when, when I was in Florida, I remember being, being at a lake once, and I saw this sign, and it said, beware of an alligator. It said not to feed that, that alligator or else you're going to have a $500 fine and probably a missing limb on top of that. And so we, if, we're, if we have a brain in our, our schools at least, if we see that, that, that word beware on a sign, we know that we've been warned that we need to stay away from this thing at all costs. And yet notice what Jesus says that we are to be aware of. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men so that you can be noticed and celebrated by men. It pretty much means exactly what it means in the English language. It means to, to pay very close attention to. It means to be very cautious. Jesus says, be very cautious. Pay close attention to making sure that you do not practice your righteousness so that you can be noticed and so that you can impress other people. And then Jesus uses a, a word that, that still continues still to this day. Jesus says, do not be like thee. And then he uses the word hypocrites. And I think almost all of us knows what a hypocrite is. How it, in this ancient world, what a hypocrite was, was George Clooney. It was 
It was an actor on a stage. But what hypocrite has also come to be defined of as is a pretender. It is a person who is portraying a certain image on screen that is not really who they are in the real world. It is just an act. They are just pretending to be a person who they really aren't. And what is lost in our American eyes is that as Jesus says this for the very first time, this would have been a very humorous statement for him to make. And that's because this was a culture in which, as far as we can tell at least, King Herod had built at least three theaters in this area. One in Jericho, the other in Jerusalem, another most likely in Samaria. And so the original audience who is hearing Jesus say this for the very first time, they were very well acquainted with, with a hypocrite, with a man or a woman who was wearing a mask, who was, who was portraying themselves as a person who they really were not. And it just seems like the longer time goes by, the, you know, the more skilled actors and actresses are really becoming. A lot of times we, we might be watching a show on Netflix perhaps, or we might be watching um, a movie or a film of some kind, and the actor or the actress is so skilled and efficient at what they're doing, it almost plays a trick on our minds where we think that, that this is a real, actual character, they are just so realistic in the way that they're portrayed that we forget that this is not a real, actual person. I heard a story once about how in the 1960s, there were many people who went to the house, shown on the Beverly Hillbillies, knocking at the gates, asking if they might possibly come in and pay Jed Clampin and his family a visit in that house. I mean, people actually thought that the Beverly Hillbillies were, were a real, actual family living in that specific house. And yet, as we all know, obviously, they aren't a real, actual family. These, these are just actors right here. They don't really live in that, at that house. They were simply playing roles. And once that, that individual scene had ended, what did, I mean, what did they do? They had dropped what that character was. And they went back to being who they really were in the real world, a Buddy Epson and so forth. That was who he really was. And it's one thing for an actor to be on a stage, and that's fine. That's art. It is escapism, and it's wonderful. It helps us look at the world in a brand new way. But what Jesus is saying here is, is not to be a religious thespian. Do not be a religious actor when you do what is good in this world. And of course, who he is primarily referring to here is the scribes and Pharisees. He says about them elsewhere in Scripture, but they do all of their deeds so that they can be noticed by men. This was what their intention was. They are are doing very good things in the world, but the reason behind it is I've got to make a name for myself in front of all these people. He goes on and he says there in Matthew 23 that they, they love the place of honor at banquets. They love the chief seats in the synagogues and they love respectful greetings in the marketplaces. If you call them rabbi, they just eat that up all day long. And yet, what Jesus is saying here is that he's exposing a lot of these scribes and Pharisees. It's not all of them, of course, but, but it's a great many of them. Where he's saying, yes, it's true. 
that they're doing these beautiful acts of generosity right here in the streets. I mean, they are just praying the most beautiful, eloquent prayers that we've ever heard. They are fasting once, if not twice, maybe three times on any given week. And yet Jesus says, they're just actors. They're just pretending to be generous people. They're nothing but mass actors who are masquerading in the streets, who are turning charity and, and, and almsgiving into a public performance in the streets with a marching band trailing behind them. Jesus says, says, do not think that that is real and do not imitate that any longer. Jesus has a brand new way of life in mind, but I mean, this is something that, that still continues in the world of today. In fact, maybe this is what it might look like in the world of today, perhaps. Oh, yes. Don't mind if I do. Put my $6,000 check in the collection basket. Oh, now wait a minute. You guys didn't happen to overhear that by any chance, did you? I am David the Church Guy, and I am a super duper Christian. We built this poor lady a house in Nicaragua in 2017, and here's a whole bunch of pictures from that mission trip. There's a picture of me, and there's another picture of me, and there's a picture of me without my shirt on when I got too hot outside, and oh, there's another picture of me, and oh, there's a picture of me taking a selfie of myself, and another one, and another one, and another one. <laughs> hey, did I mention that I put a $6,000 check in the collection plate? Oh yeah, and this other time I was helping a widow lady cut weeds in her front yard. In fact, here's a picture of me doing that right here, obviously in work attire. I must have spent 11 or 12 hours cutting those weeds. I mean, it's, it's not about the photo opportunity with me. I mean, I'm in it for the long haul. And now if you would please excuse me, I've got yet another evening of very intensive prayers and religious fasting to attend to. And cut! That's a wrap for today! Man, I've been waiting all night for this pizza, man. It's about time. Yeah. I mean, it was true 2,000 years ago. And yet it is still true 2,000 years later. That we can look at our lives and we can look at others around about us who are doing the most beautiful things in our world praying the most beautiful prayers, fasting perhaps. And yet, so oftentimes it could be said all these years later, that wait a minute, they're not actually a follower of Jesus Christ. They just play one on Sunday morning. They're not actually a kind or a generous person. They're only kind and generous when the cameras happen to be rolling. That I don't literally care about any kind of help that it might bring other people. All that I am concerned about is the fame and the recognition that it's going to, to then come to me as a result. So often it is humble bragging. It's about image crafting. It's about our outward appearance where we do the most wonderful things and yet all it is is this theatrical world of religious make-believe. Jesus says, do not be anything like that. Do not be actors when you go about doing good in this world. 
I think a modern day way that, that he would express this if he were to give the Sermon on the Mount now in 2019 is that when you practice your acts of righteousness, when you give to the poor, do not do it with a camera crew. There is an, an artist whose name is Drake, and, and I am not a fan of Drake, but there is a music video of his. And I mean, he is a very generous person. And there is a music video of his, I believe it's called God Knows, but I might be wrong about that. But this music video starts where he enters into a grocery store, supermarket in Miami. He's got this megaphone and he announces to everybody, everybody, may I please have your attention. Everything in this store is absolutely free. I will pay for whatever you want to throw inside your, your cart. And as it continues, it just keeps, keeps getting more and more and more extreme. He walks up to a single mother and he hands her like $10,000 in cash. He takes another young, poor family to the mall and he says, go on a shopping spree, whatever you want to. And she's buying jewelry. She's buying expensive you know, dresses. He's signing huge checks. He's sending kids into college. I mean, he's giving people brand new cars, trucks, vans. And as I watch this, it just makes you very warm-hearted, thinking, man, that is so beautiful that you would help other people like that. And yet, as I also watch this, I, I just had this sick knot in my stomach at the same time that, I mean, is the name of this music video, look at how generous of a person I am? I mean, he may have had very good intentions, and, and I don't doubt for a second that, that you know, he's a very kind and generous person. And yet, the whole time I just wondered, is this who he is when the cameras are not rolling? Maybe he is. But, I mean, is this really what is going on when the cameras are not rolling? Or was this just a publicity stunt and got a billion hits on YouTube? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But I think another way Jesus might express this is that when you give to the poor, do not do it having a selfie stick in your other hand. It's kind of hard to, to really notice what is going on here in this picture, but, but on the first half it says how people used to do good deeds. And it's a young woman who is cooking for a widow lady. On the bottom half, if you look very closely, it says how they do good deeds now. And she is still cooking a meal for this widow lady, but in her other hand she has a selfie stick. And she's just about to inform the entire world, look at how generous I am with my time. I am cooking a meal for this poor widow lady here. Kindness and generosity should, should always come without a selfie stick. And I mean, you know, I think this is more of a snare now than it ever was way back then. Because let's think about it. Scribes and Pharisees had an audience of maybe 12 people on a street corner. Really, you and I, though, for all of us who are on social media, we have the entire galaxy at our fingertips. We can just let everybody know in an instant anything that we want to let them know. And I spent many years working at a food bank, and I can't tell you guys how many times we had ministers, church leaders, who were very, very mad at us because they didn't get any recognition about what they had given us in the newspapers. I mean, they wanted recognition in the worst kind of way. Where is our recognition in print? And we're thinking, man, have you read Matthew chapter 6? 
I remember once there was a huge, huge donation that, that had come from, from a mega church there. And I was about to unload it, but the guy who was a representative from that church, he wanted all of these pictures so that he could share them on social media. And my boss is just looking at him, and eventually he actually says that you're going to get your recognition, but can we unload all of this stuff so that we can actually help people right now? He wanted his recognition, and they got so mad at us that it was years before they ever gave anything to that food pantry ever again. A lot of times it's all about recognition. But I'm even sensing that this is even going on in the church as it pertains to any time that a person is baptized. A lot of ministers, I believe, with, with very good motives and intentions originally, are are very insistent that they have a picture of them immersing that person or even live streaming it on social media. But it's really why anytime I've ever been asked if I could baptize a person, I always look for anybody else in the church who might want to do it first. And that's because I never want to take another person's new birth and make it all about me. Where it hits social media, look at how many people I am bringing to the waters. Look at how many people I am baptizing. All the people I, you know, I, 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 I. And yet, regardless, I believe that what Jesus is referring to, you know, I believe that this is in us as, as human beings. This need that, that I want to be noticed for what I'm doing. I, that I want to be recognized for what I'm doing. This smack of, look at me, watch what I am doing, marvel and be impressed about how spiritual of a man or of a woman that I am. Jesus says, says don't do this with a trumpet. I mean, just leave Louis Armstrong out of this. Just do it out of the kindness of your hearts. And yet 2,000 years later, if we were to play word association of a word that is a synonymous word with, with, with um, a person who's a Christian. Leaps and bounds, you're going to get the word hypocrite. And I know that sometimes that is unfair. It, it is a stereotype oftentimes in the world. And yet if we could be very honest with ourselves, oftentimes that is a, a very fair appraisal of the American church. That they're not actually in this to glorify God or to be Jesus in the lives of other people. They want recognition for their own selves, perhaps. Jesus says, do not be religious actors. He says that if you want to, to be religious actors, you already have your reward. What so many people want so bad is human applause, earthly fame, earthly recognition and popularity. Jesus says, if that's what you want, that's what you've got right now. Do not be religious actors. And yet, it, it's kind of confusing, though, at first glance, though. Because if we might remember, a couple months ago, chapter 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may, may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And yet now it might appear at first glance that what Jesus is saying is, do not let your light shine before men so that they may not see your good deeds and may not glorify your Father who's in heaven. So it's like, Jesus, which one is it here? Are we supposed to go out into the public or are we supposed to just hide in a cave and do kindness somehow from afar? 
I mean, sometimes people are going to overhear what we're doing. Sometimes people might even notice what we're doing, even as we try to do it in secrecy. But it's not kindness that Jesus is saying to to omit or to hide. But rather, what Jesus is saying is really what what he's been driving at for, for almost half of this sermon, is that what is your motive as you give to the poor? What is the intent of your heart? Is it that, that you might impress people about how righteous you are? But rather, as we notice in this particular verse, what he says at the very end is that so that they might glorify your Father who's in heaven, not so that they might glorify you and I. It's so that they might bask in the glory of our God, not bask in, in our glory or in our goodness. And so what the solution is that Jesus has for us is don't even let your left hand know what the other hand is doing. I mean, that is a radical revolutionary ideal that he is espousing there. What Jesus is inviting us to is to good, righteous doing in anonymous secrecy. This is a privatized generosity that he's referring to. And when Jesus says in secret in the text, in the original language, now, now that can mean conceal something. And yet, my favorite meaning of that word secret is inward character. In other words, what, what he's saying in, in, um, um, in full living color is that when you practice righteousness, when you are, are very generous to, to those who are poor, do so until it becomes second nature to you where you are no longer looking around wondering if anybody's noticing, yet that eventually, the, the longer that you are generous to those who are poor, it will just become, become your very nature to just secretly do acts of kindness for those who are poor or to practice your righteousness. And I saw poor examples at, that, at um, a food pantry where I used to work, as I noted a moment ago. And yet, I also saw incredible and beautiful examples of this. I'll never forget how we received a donation once from, I assume it was a church who had come to us. And yet, they were very, very quiet about it. They had, according to our estimation, five or $6,000 worth of toiletries and all kinds of items, food items and, and so forth out of this, this huge trailer. And I mean, they were shaking up dust, unloading all of these, these, these um, great supplies. And yet they only communicated through, through smiles and through handshakes. We asked them who they were and, and what church they had come from. And when they had been handed um, a book, which we gave to everybody, on the name column, what they wrote was, servants of Jesus Christ. The whole time that they were there unloading all of this food, I mean, all of this, this, um, this great expensive stuff, they didn't say one single word. And, and they had left just as, as quietly as they had arrived. I mean, it was just so mysterious. There was something about them and their attitudes that, that was not Western in nature. And I'll never forget standing there as they left, just, just amazed, thinking, man, that is how it should be right there. 
nothing about can I get a receipt, can I get recognition in the um, in a newspaper, nothing. Just We're just servants of Jesus Christ doing what we ought to do. Goodbye. I have no idea who they were other than that. And I love how a theologian whose name is Dallas Willard says, he says that when we practice our righteousness so as not to be seen by men, we become creative partners with Christ in doing what is good. Or as as long time ago Charles Spurgeon said, that while others are so busy congratulating their own selves, I have to humbly lie at the foot of Christ's cross and marvel that I am even saved at all. This is what happens within us when we give and when we practice our righteousness in secrecy, in mysterious and in in, in mysterious anonymity, we become creative partners in doing what is good with our God. And while others are so busy congratulating themselves, we are, are marveling. We are genuflecting at his cross, marveling that we are even saved in the first place. And so as we bring all of this home this morning, what, what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth is that we are of good courage. And I say it, I prefer rather to be absent from my body than to be at home with the Lord. He says, therefore, we also have as our ambition. And notice what he says. Whether we are at home or we're absent, that we be pleasing to our God, Jesus Christ. And so I just want to ask us, what would, I mean, how much would our lives change in terms of, of how we practice our righteousness? If our one and only objective and our one and only purpose for, for living when we wake up is I want to be pleasing to Jesus Christ in all that I say and do today. So what I want to invite us to in this coming week is to seek out someone who we can help perhaps. Now, there are some of us who might not have all the money in the world. Maybe we just see a person who is in need somewhere on a street corner, outside of a convenience store, perhaps, wherever it might be, and we just give them whatever we're able to give them. Maybe it is us giving of, of our time, volunteering at a food bank, perhaps, going to a person who has no, no friends, no self-esteem, and making them, them rich in self-esteem by the way that we accept them and love them. But regardless of, of exactly how we will bring this about, find the person who we can help. But then most importantly, when we locate who that person is, we need to, to learn and to discover where our motives are. That just before we help this person in some way, shape, or form, that we process in our minds, it's likely nobody else is going to even know that I'm doing this. That I'm going to go about this in a quiet, secretive, mysterious way that is anonymous and that brings no light whatsoever upon me. Then we ask ourselves, do I still want to do this thing? Do I still want to go on that mission trip knowing that there is no one who's going to have any smartphones? Do I still want to volunteer at that food pantry if it's not going to ever wind up on social media that, that I was there? But rather that the only thought in our, our hearts as we do this is, Jesus, I love you. And this is how much I love you, that I will treat this person as you would treat them. 
I close with this thought this morning. There was a man whose name was Mike Illich. He was a successful man in the business world, owned companies, Little Caesars was his vehicle until he died in 2017. But when he died a couple of years ago, nobody was speaking about his prowess as a businessman. Rather, what everybody was speaking about and celebrating was something that they had just then discovered. That way back in the early 1990s, Rosa Parks moved to Detroit. And at that point in her life, Rosa Parks had no money whatsoever. I mean, she was broke. She was poor. And Mike Illich had somehow learned about this. And he began paying Rosa Parks rent every single month for the rest of Rosa Parks' life. Paid her rent until the day that she died. Nobody knew anything about it. Newspapers knew absolutely nothing whatsoever about it. Until a few members of his very close family had said, yeah, way back then, this is what he did for Rosa Parks. And long after he had since died, people were saying that this is how we will remember Mike Illich. It's not about his greatness as a, a millionaire or as a businessman. It's because he did this thing in really an absolute secrecy. And I believe what Jesus is saying to us on the Sermon on the Mount is this. He's saying, don't search for your self-worth in how other people look at you. Don't find your self-worth in your self-image that, that other people might hold you to. Don't hold your self-worth in how many likes you might get on Facebook as, as opposed to how many likes another person might get on Facebook. Find your self-worth in the cross of Jesus Christ and in what good you can bring to this world in, in full secrecy Amen. and with a heart that is seeking to glorify Him and only Him. If you want to experience intimacy with God this week, help that person who you see in secret. Make that donation online in full secrecy and in private. Be an anonymous good doer in this world. And just step back and enjoy beautiful moments of intimacy with your God. $6,000 check in the collection basket.